Welcome to another edition of the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Tracy Fuller. It is the last day of September. Can you believe it? It's happening already. Fall is here. The cold has come in. The sky is gray. Fortunately, we're not getting too much rain yet, but it's certainly on its way, along with many other arts events that always come around this time of year. I have a jam-packed for show for you today. I've got a preview of the Vancouver International Film Festival, which is starting tomorrow. Live from Thunderbird, Radio Hell is going for 24 hours, and I've got an interview with Luke Meat and with uh, the uh, wonderful, fabulous, major host of uh, Thunderbird, Radio Hell, and of our shindig, extravaganzas each week right here on the show. I've got uh, Jay Ono from Vancouver Theatre Sports League talking about improv and what makes a hit or a miss improv show. I've got a review of Kid Koala's recent show here at the Red Room with The Slew. Uh, my contributor Nick Panu has gone out to an arts event and has brought back an amazing piece of uh, audio for us here. And last but not least, a review by Kay and Trinity, a mother and daughter who went out to see The Culture's new series for families. And so I've got lots to sh share with you this week on the show, so let's get right to it, shall we? Earlier today, I caught up with my film critic, Zachary Rothman, who is a Vancouver filmmaker himself. Um, he will be headlining all of our reviews here on the Arts Report for this year's the 28th Annual Vancouver International Film Festival. The festival this year is bringing 360 films from 80 different countries. There's over 600 different screenings across the city. And Zach has already been out to see a lot of films and has brought us his best of for this week. So here is my conversation with Zachary Rothman earlier today on the Arts Report, CITR 101.9 FM. Zachary Rothman is um, my VIF correspondent for this year. He's a filmmaker here in Vancouver, and uh, he's been out to a couple of the pre-Vancouver Festival opening screenings, and uh, he'll be attending a whole bunch more films once the festival officially launches as of tomorrow. But I've got him on the phone right now to uh, tell us a little bit about what he's seen, what he's looking forward to seeing, and anything else about the VIF that we could or should look for. Zach, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Okay, so I, I know you've been to a bunch of screenings in the past couple of weeks, and these are all media screenings, so they're not open to the public, but uh, you, you've had a chance to see a couple of the of the films before they actually hit the big screen next week, and so what have you seen? Uh, well, I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of films, uh, not as many as I'd like, but uh, more than I would have uh, up going to the movies, so... Uh, I saw, uh, today I saw a film I quite liked, um, Facing Ali by Pete McCormack. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is a film, um, about, uh, it's about, uh, Muhammad Ali, but it's, but it's his story told, um, through the eyes of all the people he beat up, mm -hmm. um, who are all still alive and, uh, remarkably, uh, reverent of the man who, uh, in many cases, ended their careers, uh, but also put them on the map uh, as well. Uh, it was a really well-filmed uh, documentary, well-shot, and uh, the story was uh, quite riveting. It was uh, definitely one of the better ones I've seen. 
seen so far. Mm. Uh, and I was excited to see it beforehand, so it was quite nice to see it. Right. Uh, it's done by a, a Canadian filmmaker, am I correct? Yeah, a BC filmmaker, uh, Pete McCormack, um, and he's done some films before. Um, what did he do? Mm. We did Sea Grace Fly and uh, also Uganda Rising, which mm. I, I haven't seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a local boy. And uh, there's some other local films playing um, in the film fest. Um, Any that you've seen so far? Uh, let's just see here. What did I see so far? Uh, well, sort of. Um, I saw Son of Sunshine, or Son of the Sunshine, um, directed by Ryan Ward from Ontario, which is shot by a, uh, well, sometimes local BC filmmaker named uh, Chase Irvin who's the youngest Canadian cinematographer um, in the camera union. So hmm. there you go. Um, beautifully shot, uh, but really a kind of uneven film that suffers from, well, the writing of a, a director, writer who's uh, young. Mm -hmm. um, he's in his early 20s, who acted in it, did a great performance, but also suffered from uh, very poor supporting performances, oh. very very poor supporting performances that, that really hurt the film. Uh, what, what's the film about? The the title doesn't give a lot to, uh, to go is, on. It is, well, not to give too much away, it's, it's about uh, a young man who has uh, Tourette's syndrome mm. and uh, a lot of family issues. Actually, just a lot of issues um, in, in this <laughs> film. Uh, maybe too many, and that was the problem. Uh, but it's very well performed, and uh, I, I think that Ryan Ward is, you know, a director to watch in the future, just a, a kind of uneven first effort. Right. Um, what else have I seen? My God. Uh, mm -hmm. Canadian stuff? Oh, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be going against films. Uh, I might as well start with that, right? Right. Uh, a Cargo <laughs> to Africa. Um, Which was a much lauded film or a much uh, pumped up film as far as I can tell from yeah, a lot of the press yeah, releases. It, it, it got won the... the um, the uh, audience award at Montreal World uh, Festival. I, I believe the only reason I could give for that is possibly the entire audience was in the movie. Um, <laughs> this is a film that had, oh God, it had just had no idea what it wanted to be. It was, it's a film about a uh, a guy from originally from Canada who comes back as a refugee from Africa, mm -hmm. um, has the potential at this interesting film about a man caught kind of in between and then he's got a monkey and then the monkey gets into all kinds of trouble and then there's this child who says why are you dumping your pet you're disgusting and and then it becomes a road movie and then there's a biker chase in the Whoa. road movie and there's this uh angel of death character that walks by and it's just it's all over the place it's a mess um you know it's it's well performed but it's just uh, the best thing about a cargo to Africa is that um, uh, in, in a you know in a country where it, it's hard to get feature films made, somehow they managed to get this film made, and you mm. know bravo to getting a, a feature film made. But I just I wish it would have been a different one. Uh, right. <laughs> so I mean I, I guess I agree disagree with all the residents of Montreal, but uh, I would not. Or maybe recommend. just the film going population of Montreal, not all the residents. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good other good good films I've seen. Uh, 
Let me just find it here in my notes. Uh, Agripo Revisited, um, hope I pronounced it right, mm-hmm. um, which is about uh, a bunch of Czech dudes who go out and try and refurbish a, uh, I believe, a 400-year-old um, theater. Uh, And they go about refurbishing it exactly the way it was supposed to be uh, done with old pulleys and ropes and uh, everything lit by candlelight. And uh, and musicians start coming from around the world and they start refurbishing uh, instruments that aren't really used anymore and played in ways that haven't been played for centuries. And uh, although the film is maybe clunky at times in uh, in its execution, you know, the characters and the story is just so beautiful it's, it's a wonderful film to see hmm. uh, i'd highly recommend it it's uh it's directed by uh well i hope i pronounce it right it's dan krames mm-hmm. um and uh it's in czech but there are thankfully subtitles right. um, and he has another film that uh would be attached to it um called jan kluzak axis tempororum which mm-hmm. is about a uh, jewish composer talking about his life which is also quite nice okay um, uh, it's funny that um, that 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 you've come upon this film, especially uh, because we have had conversations in the past about the old Pantages Theater right here in Vancouver, <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. and perhaps um, there could be some uh, people here in Vancouver who could get a cue as to how we should be uh, revering and restoring some of our historical landmarks here at home. Yeah, I mean it's it's really something what a few individuals who committed themselves to a really act of love can do, and it's it's beautiful. Hmm. So the opening gala is tomorrow night, and then a whole bunch of uh, celebrities will be flooding into town, and a lot of a lot of other films will be up on the screen. Is there anything you haven't seen yet that you are absolutely looking forward to going to see in the coming week? Oh, there's, well, there's a there's a ton. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Vancouver Film Festival has uh, 300 or more films, mm-hmm. uh, which is. You know, it's a lot. It's a hell of a lot of movies um, to try and see. And there are people that you see in the audience from previous years, you know, just regular people who they book their vacation time for this time. Mm-hmm. They get their gala pass or whatever pass they go, and they just go from movie to movie to movie for two weeks and lose themselves. It's wonderful. Um, and you can do that. But I, I'd assume most people have to pick, you know, a few movies Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> to see. Right. So uh, let me recommend a few. One uh, I've got high hopes for is Mammoth um, by um, Lucas Mudison, who uh, previously directed Together, that wonderful film about the uh, Swedish commune. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's with Gael Garcia Bernal, everybody loves. Uh, it's Absolutely fabulous actor, and not too shabby on the eyes either. No, of course not. Um, <laughs> and it's four separate stories uh, about different things interweaved. Um, there's a couple of great Canadian documentaries coming up for two a lot. One is H2 Oil, one is Petropolis. Um, they're both films about the tar sands, mm-hmm. which is, of course, quite topical. Um, Right now, um, for Canadian documentaries, there's also Finding Farley, which uh, Leanne Allison uh, traced the uh, footsteps of Farley Mowat in his novels uh, back to the east coast of Canada, where he lives now. Um, Sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Um, Xavier Dolan, uh, I Killed My Mother, which won three prizes at Cannes uh, this year, Um, a young, young filmmaker from Quebec. 
I wonder, do you know if he's going to be in town? Because I know that he got so much publicity when he was out at Cannes, and he really seemed overwhelmed by the response his films got there. So it would be interesting a couple months later to to see how he's how he's doing with it now and yeah. how the film is faring in subsequent he, uh, festivals. He's not on the list. Mm. He's not on the list, whether he shows up and didn't announce or not. Uh, I doubt it. I, th- I think he's... So, another uh, sort of local-ish films, Canadian films, I'll talk about before I get, you know, more into the uh, uh, international ones, is uh, uh, Manitoba has a couple of films. Uh, Zooey and Adam by Sean Garrity, who directed Inertia, which won um, Toronto First Feature Film Award couple of years ago. Um, Dinishka Estrehazy's The Black Field, um, also from Manitoba, seems uh, quite interesting. Reg Harkema, Leslie, My Name is Evil, sort of a Charles Manson-esque story. Uh, it looks um, frightening. Fictional, uh, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, yeah. Like <laughs> uh, Red Rooster from BC by Terry Miles, uh, who also shot the film. Uh, it looks wonderful. Um, 1999 by uh, Ontario filmmakers uh, about uh, Tamil immigrants in Ontario. Also mm-hmm. quite topical. Um, there's ninja films. Um, James McTeague's Ninja Assassin, Kamui by <laughs> Sai uh, Yoichi. Uh, there's zombie movies out there. Um, Lebanon by Sam Maoz from Israel um, covers... Uh, Lebanese war, and then on the other side of the fence or wall, depending on what side of the fence you're on. There you go. Uh, the time that remains, chronicle of a present absentee by uh, Ilya Suleiman, who's a Palestinian director, has mm-hmm. made uh, a couple of wonderful films. I'd highly recommend that one. He's funny. It's political. It's, it's kind of everything it should be. Um, Romanian films coming out. Uh, possibly the worst country to live in. Seems to be making some great films. Mm. Police adjective. Uh, Kathleen Varga, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, both of them, I believe, won a prize at Cannes as well. Ah, oh, there's a lot, Tracy. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, well, I mean, you've certainly given us a, a good start in terms <laughs> of uh, where, to, where to look and where people might want to invest their... Uh, their ticket money not in big blockbusters that they'd be seeing in in theaters later this year anyways um i know that uh, you you yourself are a a short filmmaker are there any short films that you're sort of looking forward to or film series short film series that you're going to attend that we can ask you about in future yeah there there are uh, there are three or four short film programs um maybe more let me just check here yeah there's more than that but uh, there's three that are from Canada, and then there's short film programs that are international. Yeah, I, I think people should go and see them. Um, nothing specific uh, yet mm-hmm. that I see, but, um, I, you know, that's the great thing about short film. You kind of know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. It's the least hyped section of the film festival, and you get to see, you know, 15 films for the price of one. So right. why not? Well, then I'll be sure to ask you about it next week when I have you back on the Arts Report to uh, give us a rundown of what you've seen from now until then. Absolutely. Um, But in the meantime, thank you, Zach, so much for seeing as many films as you have so far. Thanks very much, Tracy. No problem, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Okay. Zachary Rothman is the Arts Report's film critic for the 2009-2010 season. He's going to be heading out to as many Vancouver International Film Festival films as possible and as mentioned in the piece we will be hearing from him again next week to get another lowdown so thanks so much to Zach for that next on to Luke Meat 
And Ben Lai, whose name I keep forgetting for no good reason whatsoever, and I should actually be hurt because of it. But tomorrow, live from Thunderbird, Radio Hell goes live for 24 hours straight right here at CITR. Earlier today, I caught up with Luke and Ben to talk a little bit more about the event and to shed some light on the history of live from Thunderbird, Radio Hell, which is over 20 years old as of this year. Here's my conversation with them earlier today. Hello, this is Luke Mead, music director at CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver, and I'm here with the host of Thunderbird Radio Hell and host of Shindig, Ben Lai. How are you today, Ben? Excellent. What is going to happen at CITR tomorrow starting at 6 p.m.? At 6 o'clock tomorrow, we're going to have 24 hours of Thunderbird Radio Hell, which is, as it sounds, 24 hours of straight, non-stop Thunderbird Radio Hell. And the show is where we bring in live bands, and they play live in a studio, so we're going to do 24 hours of that tomorrow. It's usually on Thursdays from 9 to 11, correct? Uh, yes. And Thunderbird Radio Hell has been on CIT for how long? 20 years. Over 20 years, I believe, yeah. actually. You know, And we have spawned such great careers, such as Destroyer and The Smugglers, and we still have them on the big reel-to-reel tapes and stuff, and we're in the process of digitizing them and everything like that. Will this event be recorded for posterity? Yes, of course. It will be podcasted, like always, like everything else. Excellent. And what orchestras do you have playing in this wonderful event? We got 26 bands, um, or more. There could be some calling in from uh, out of town, but I'm not going to name them all. But there's, you know, you say party, we say die. We have Rochon Tohe. We have Twin Christos. We have uh, Abrams and Singers, Green Bar Collective, Green Hour Band. Uh, what else is there? Fine Mist. Fine Mist. Shipyards. Uh, collapsing opposites. So Anyways, bands that are yeah. bands that are familiar to CITR's yeah. uh, want, if yeah. you will. Okay, yeah. excellent. And uh, we start six p.m. We're going for twenty-four hours. Are you do, are you planning any stimulants at all? No, no, it's good. Okay. <laughs> Nothing. It's awesome. It's going to be straight edge, straight all right. edge. <laughs> I'm going to jump in here and ask: In twenty years, uh, what are some of your favorite memories, maybe for both of you, of Thunderbird Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell? People who've been here or experiences that have happened here at CITR that you'll never forget. My favorite thing is always when people messed up, <laughs> which is the fans hate it, but it's funny when they just, you know, they they spill something. Would be always funny. Uh, you can actually hear it. A drink being spilled and people start laughing or cracking up or or people just you know knocking over chairs mm-hmm. and falling down because you can because it's live when I mean, we don't have a pause button so and you can pretty much tell what's going on on radio because you can hear the sound it's always funny the bands like it's no bands like it but it, it kind of breaks the uh, the norm mm-hmm. um things like that Whatever. mine probably is when um did sean law used to have the show after thunderbird radio it was caught in the red on thursday nights at one time before it was before my time okay he brought in a band once and they brought like oh at least 30 of their friends in and I I wish I could remember the band name they were killer rock and roll but they emptied the beer machine and it was just no it was like crap was flying everywhere and it was like a real gig in our lounge which is not the largest room in the world Um, but other than that like Julie Doron was pretty yeah, cool. That was, a, that was a really, really nice night. Um, they emptied our beer machine as well, actually. Um, the beer machine's uh, going to be full tomorrow. Don't yeah. worry. Um, I, I got a good story. Um, with the UC party, we say die. They came and played on the show once, and it was listed in one of the, on the music listing as, you know, UC party playing on CITR. Actually, a bunch of kids show up, 
and came to watch him. They didn't realize it wasn't really a, a show. For, so they showed up and they watched him anyways. And, and the band was really happy that you know these kids drove all the way or took the bus all the way down to play or so, to watch him play. And fast forward to three years later, those kids started a band, and they, they played, turned out uh, to be. They turned out to be SSS, and they were in Shindig. No yeah. way! Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, last year. Yeah. And they, uh, yeah, they played. And they're they still play kids. The yeah, they're still kids. <laughs> they play on the show. They're like, oh, this is so great. We saw. And they basically said, because of you say party, they sort of started started a band. Mm. And it's really great that you know, they're playing a show that you say party play. It's funny. It's great. So. Cute story. Absolutely. So, who came up with the idea of live from Thunderbird Radio Hell Not way back me. when? <laughs> the original. The history goes like the original uh, person that did the show was Ed Laszlo. Yep. And um, I don't know where the idea came from. But Nardwar was the host for yeah. years. Yep. Nardwar did it for a while. Um, it's just a good idea. I think mm-hmm. I'm sure that that idea has been floating around for all the stations all the time. So why don't we have bands come on and play? A lot of shows would you know always want to bring people to come in and play, but. We might be the only station that sort of put it into a, a regular thing. What about uh, the 24 hours thing? That's oh, We stole it from you. <laughs> <laughs> we stole it from 24 hours of radio art. Which is January 17th, yeah. by the way. But yeah. right. that's not to be confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Right. Anyways, yeah. Well, thank you both for uh, coming in and sharing a little bit of the history and promoing the, the event tomorrow. Best of luck, Ben and Luke. Are you going to be around too? Oh, yeah. I'm not missing this at all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. going to be great. So it's good. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That was, of course, Ben Lai and Luke Meat. And they spoke to me in the newsroom here at CITR just a little bit earlier today. Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell starts tomorrow and goes right through to Friday. There is going to be an after party at the Ukrainian Hall, I believe, out in Strathcona afterwards. And that is a free event where a number of the uh, the bands who are featured or couldn't actually make it to the uh, live from Thunderbird Radio Hell event will be on stage commemorating this historic, wonderful day of uh, live music here at CITR. So thanks to Luke and Ben for organizing and for speaking with me today on the Arts Report. This boy and girl coming home from school look quite content with life. And why not? They're looking forward to an important date, dinner at home with the family. What's the matter? Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Luckily, UBC students have lots of on-campus dining options. The Pendulum Restaurant, your source for fresh dishes made in-house. The Pendulum boasts a large selection of vegan dishes, a comfortable atmosphere, and tasty breakfasts. On sunny days, you can also enjoy the licensed patio. Conveniently located next to the pit, the Pendulum is open seven days a week. This business is owned and operated by the AMS, your student society. And just on the note of the pendulum, they have some rockin' pumpkin scones. It's October as of tomorrow. And, you know, there's all this pumpkin-esque and uh, Thanksgiving-esque paraphernalia and food items out there. But seriously, year-round, the pumpkin scones at the pendulum rock. So get there early. They only make six every day, and I have not been able to score one for at least three weeks now. But um, just to make the competition that much thicker, uh, head on down to the Pendulum for some awesome pumpkin scones. All right. Earlier today, I was able to get in touch with Jay Ono, who is the direct, the executive director of the Vancouver Theatre Sports League, who run 
so many amazing um, theater, sports, and improv shows out on Granville Island on the new review stage. They have a new show coming up called Bacheloretta, and Jay Ono joined me a little earlier today to talk about the nature of improv, about the new show, and about what the Vancouver Theater Sports League might be facing in this economic climate in the, the season ahead. Here's Jay Ono speaking to me on CITR 101.9 FM. And Vancouver Theatre Sports League is about to open their new show as part of the new 2009 fall season. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Bacheloretta? Sure, Bacheloretta, it's a parody of the hit show The Bachelorette, and we thought it, well, we thought it'd be very timely just because of the last season with Jillian Harris really focused a lot on Vancouver, her being kind of from Vancouver. Um, so we thought it would be a great opportunity to take advantage of a lot of the media that happened around last season's show. And also we felt it was a really good kind of platform to showcase improv and and focus on kind of relationships and characters. So that's uh, what the actor's task is to kind of work on that. Great. And um, and the, the league itself is comprised of a number of different actors. Uh, can you tell us about how many people people will be seeing on stage from night to night and who, who uh, to keep their eye out for? Sure. Um, we have a main stage uh, company of about 35 people. And a lot of the people come from different experiences. And when I say different experiences, I mean different styles of improv or different styles of comedy. Um, the majority of the people come from an acting background in theater. And um, uh, they, they'll all rotate uh, through this show and uh, through the other shows that we do on a regular basis. Um, some of the veterans that people like is people like Pierce Visser, who's kind of been with the, the organization and must be for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great. This guy never ages. He's <laughs> hilarious. He's one of my favorite people to watch on stage. Uh, he's totally committed, and he goes for it all the time. Um, uh, you know, we have just so many great people. There's uh, Denise Jones, who, if you're a regular at theater sports, uh, she's um, got kind of short blonde hair. She's she's really up on her improv and is always improving and uh, really cutting edge. She comes from a theater background, which helps because improv is theater. So you, there needs to be some theatricality. There's people like Margaret Nyfors, uh, Michael Tagan, um, uh, the list goes on. Right. If I named any more, then I'd have to name the whole 35 because <laughs> they would be very choked at me. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you've hit on what I wanted us to get into in, in part of this conversation is that there are a lot of different backgrounds of, of your... Um, of the people in the cast, but um, an acting background doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good at improv, and improv is a very night-to-night and person-to-person thing. So I was, so I was wondering... I mean, what, what, what does it take to be a good improv person? How do, how do your cast members increase their skills to make sure or to better the chances that every night's performance is a winner? Yeah, well, I, I would think most of the people that are accepted into this company, we do auditions and we have a development program. The type of people that we look for are people that are kind of um, contemporary, they're up on their pulp culture, our audience can easily relate to them. Mm-hmm. Um, as an improviser, as a performer, they need to deliver night after night. And, you know, our theater, we do 440 shows a year, and then we do a lot of shows outside of the theater. So. 
um, you know, for the first couple of years, it's great because you're fresh and, and, you know, everything is new. But what happens to a performer when they've been doing it for over 10 years? You know, there are nights, I used to be a performer myself, where you're just kind of like, um, you know, you're, you want to go with some friends or, you know, there's just days where you don't want to go to work or you just don't want to be there. And that's just a reality. It's, it's you know, it's, it's this kind of great world you know, ideal world for us to think everybody's on stage and they want to be there and they're they're there to li- deliver the wow all the time. But I think the reality is we're not going to be up all the time. Mm-hmm. So the professional improviser is somebody who has a um, uh, a standard, a minimum standard that they can deliver on a night to night, no matter what their mindset is before they come to the theater. Mm. Whether they got in a car accident, whether they're kind of between jobs and can't pay their rent. When they go on stage, you know, they got to kind of be up there. they got to be pumped. they got to be happy. And it's a tough thing to do. It's, uh, I used to say to people, like, doing improv when you don't want to be there is like opening up a Christmas or a birthday present that you don't really like. <laughs> but you have to pretend you like it. It's, yeah. like, one of the hardest things, you know. Absolutely. Um, so and- a lot of people, their training is really important in terms of, um, you know, basic improv skills. Um, certainly performance skills is something that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, we do come, we do do a lot of workshops, and we do come from a belief that everyone's creative, and it's a matter of tapping into it. Mm-hmm. Once you get into a performance level, though, they're, you know, um, and on our stage, we're a comedy improv company. So it's very, really important that people have a good sense of humor and they do know about comic timing and how to work an audience and, you know, um, it's quite a craft and our actors make it look really easy mm-hmm. and it takes years and years of work to make something look really easy. So Absolutely. my hat's off to all of them. Absolutely. And and there is an element uh, that the audience plays in terms of uh, the nightly response, I imagine, as well. Uh, a good, uh, as far as I can see from an audience perspective, uh, good improv often has a lot to do with feeding off of the audience's laughter and the, what they're picking up on, as well as what's going on in, on the stage between the individual improvers. Yeah, you know, all, all our scenes and all our shows, you know, rely on suggestions from the audience. And, and that's wonderful because from their point of view, there's a sense of ownership mm. and also it makes what happens on stage relevant and you know um, what the audience wants to kind of see or what's top of mind for them but certainly kind of being there in the now for them it's you know you know I think any live theater it's it's a kind of a uh, an audience uh, from an audience point of view it is tiring because you could kind of be got to be there it's not like watching tv where you can kind of sit back and oh i'm going to go to the fridge and get some you know some pop or whatever get mm-hmm. some wine you know you you kind of play this interaction with the actors on stage and they do feed on that mm-hmm. not that the audience has to you know laugh boisterously all the time or applaud um after every scene as loud as they can and whistle and go crazy it's almost like they just need to be attentive and have this kind of exchange with the performers on stage because it becomes uh very much like a tennis match where Mm -hmm. the actor's audience the actor's energy is going into the audience it's like hitting a ball to the audience and the audience hits it back and and back and forth um sometimes i wonder when when the cast members do call out for suggestions from the audience. I'm sure with a nightly show and and 
as many performances as you mentioned you do a year, there must be some some suggestions that you always get. But what what from your perspective or from a, a cast member's perspective, what makes for a good suggestion? What is what is good fodder? Is it uh, something that's really unique or something that's particularly funny or or is there is there an ideal suggestion that you can get from the audience? Well, I, I can tell you what's uh, not ideal and okay. things like Surrey, gynecologist, spatula, um, bathroom. Those are the kind of things that kind of come up all the time. Mm-hmm. It's nice when an audience, you know, is spontaneous and they do kind of say things that's, you know, top of mind for them. And, and when it becomes difficult to get good suggestions from the audience is when they try too hard to be funny. Mm. You know, um, the actors spend a lot of time on on what we call setups for a scene and getting ask-fors, and there's a, there's a way to mine good ask-fors from the audience, and a lot of it is the way you phrase the question on how you ask for something. So getting good ask-fors from the audience, most of it falls on the actors on how they ask the question and how they can inspire the audience to yell at something that is different for the actors you know it doesn't have to be witty it doesn't have to be funny but it's nice for the actors when they hear something that's different than you know bathroom or or something like that Mm -hmm. and then the fact that we serve alcohol in our venue um, (laughs) you know that becomes uh you always get somebody you know sometimes in groups you get you know they they drink a little bit more Mm -hmm. they come already kind of pre-lubricated when they come to the theater. (laughs) Yes. And you always get that one person that thinks they're really funny or that they yell out um, um, sometimes incoherent stuff or stuff that doesn't make sense or stuff that's just gratuitous. Mm -hmm. And we try to kind of shut that down right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But they get excited. It's it's hard for our audience to know um, or for some people to know when to be quiet. Right. Um, Because you get some people who don't respect the boundaries of what improv theater is so in the middle of the scene the actors are doing a scene and that person keeps on yelling out suggestions when the actors don't even ask for them Mm. and and how do you respond i mean of course you don't want to shut the audience down if one person is sort of breaking the rules but it's it must be really difficult to be able to um to step in and to uh, keep both the on-stage production safe as well as the audience in a conducive atmosphere to give and take. Yeah. Um, normally, we, we have a host for a show, so the host will try to deal with the, um, you know, the the overexcited audience member or, mm-hmm. or somebody that's being inappropriate, um, or the performer will deal with them. Um, you know, I think it's a bit of a myth that um, whether it's comedy clubs or whether it's improv theater where some audience members feel that the actors like to be heckled, mm. you know, because then they can come up with their big kind of one-liners to shut the, the heckler down. But I think, you know, there are some stand-ups that base their acts on that or, or some people, you know, a minority of people that um, uh, feed off that. But in my experience, as long as I've been in the business, I think, you know, um, most artists would like to do their work interrupted and Mm -hmm. get the information from the audience when it's asked for and really kind of to get immersed in a scene. And uh, um, if the actors can't uh, shut them down or the host can't shut them down, um, we'll have we have ushers and and they'll be given kind of two warnings and then they'll be asked to leave. Mm -hmm. for the longest time, we were the only theater with a bouncer. Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess I, I, I would imagine that that would be an important thing to have. I mean, from time to time, especially with uh, lubricated obi- audiences, as we were talking about before. That's right. I guess.
I, I agree. Yeah. Well, Jayono, thank you so much for joining us today on the Arts Report. You're welcome. That was my conversation with Jay Ono, the executive director from the Vancouver Theatre Sports League. They have a new show called Bacheloretta opening up. The official launch is next Thursday, but previews do start tomorrow down at the new review stage. That's right across from the Arts Club's theatre on Granville Island. Be sure to head on down and check it out. Uh, improv in the city doesn't get much better than the Vancouver Theatre Sports League. So uh, head on down for a good time. Cineworks Independent Filmmakers Society presents a series of cinematic salons with Vancouver International Film Festival artists between October 4th and 15th. In its 15th year, Meet the Filmmakers is about the realization of ideas and the revelation of process. These informal and insightful panel discussions with filmmakers attending the festival provide an opportunity for the festival audience to engage in meaningful dialogue with the visionaries of modern cinema. Meet the Filmmakers is brought to you by Cineworks, the documentary organization of Canada BC Chapter and the Praxis Center for Screenwriters and Women in Film and Television. Salons are free. Just bring your love of film and prepare to be inspired. Visit cineworks.ca for up-to-the-minute information. Welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Tracy Fuller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now I've got a piece from my fantastic new contributor, Nick Pano. He attended an art opening for Trevor Stickle, which happened at the um, where did it the Beaumont Studios last Friday. Uh, Trevor, Trevor Stickle is an amazing realistic sort of um, artist, and he did his opening alongside Ashley Fester, who is a filmmaker from Vancouver, along with DJ B. Winter and DJ G. Vincent. And uh, it happened last Saturday, last Friday, I guess, September 29th at the Beaumont stage. Um, and Nick came back with this wonderful, soundful report. And this is from Nick Pano on CITR 101.9 FM. <laughs> Right now, we're standing outside Baumount Studios, September 25th, the launch for Studio 15. And we have a chance to talk to one of the patrons tonight, Brady. Uh, how are you doing? And uh, what are what were your impressions, are your impressions for the night? Uh, fantastic. You know, it's uh, great art, great music, great bands, great DJ. Uh, I think uh, everybody here was uh, really excited to uh, to be here in this awesome vibe in the in the studio tonight. You know, it's it's going off. Bauman Studios was the place for well, they always had the the painting, the the gallery, but for live theater since last year, there, there's been uh, live music here. Uh, what's the different kind of dynamic of uh, having having the live theater versus live music with the, the gallery here at Beaumont Studios? Well, I guess the, the easy way to explain is that uh, a lot of painters don't paint with uh, theater in the background. They paint with music in the background. So to have a lot of uh, lo- 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 like a lot of local artists here in this own building, it's great to have music because, again, the, the energy of the musicians uh, and the sound resonating through the walls, I think, is just truly inspiring and a little bit more uh, dynamic. So because everybody pumped up internally a little more, so... It's a great addition, and uh, I love I love theater. But again, it's uh, it's a very uh, sh- 
sort of media to uh, to uh, to accept and uh, to to watch. So whereas music is something you can sort of feel a little bit more deeply and emotionally um, through the walls of the building. So it brings so much more energy to the building itself and the space. I think one of the mandates and missions of the Beaumont is to be a collective. So bringing in friends of musicians, artists, painters, uh, sculptors, all together into one space and commingling uh, with each other and sharing ideas and talking and thoughts is really one of the, uh, you know, exactly what, what the Beaumont is about. So this event uh, just helps bring it all together in such an amazing uh energetic way you know everybody's here just uh is stoked about being creative and just uh, expressing so much more and uh yeah it's it, like i said it's gone off here it's such a great time and everybody here just uh wants to talk and it's i've i'm almost lost my voice and not people in the conversations i've had tonight so it's so much fun of Studio 58. We're upstairs in the main gallery and speaking to one of the patrons, Elena Esolova. What do you think of the painting of Mick Jagger? Well, first of all, do I have spinach in my teeth? Because your viewers might be able to see it. Oh, no, they're okay. They're good. They're good. Uh, The Mick Jagger. First I I saw it and was like, that's like a woman with like hot lips. But then, no, it's not. It's Mick Jagger. That, that's my thoughts about this one. Hot lips. I like the Ray Charles one, though. It kind of reminds me of Jamie Foxx. Yeah, this looks kind of neat. It's like somebody's on shrooms and then designed this whole little building that's all, like, wobbly and stuff. Tomahawk Restaurant. Yes, I thought I saw some native native artwork in there with totem poles. And uh, Paul Armstrong also joining the tour. What have your impressions been, well, starting off with the gallery for the the launch of Studio 15, in terms of the different genres, the the, the different styles of painting? Has has there been a good variety, in in your opinion? Well, I I find each piece unique, and it's not derivative. Every work that they have hanging here is, is something you wouldn't have seen before. So it's all original. Is this part of the art? It is, because this one's my favorite. None of it's obvious how it was created. You have to really study it to see how they created each piece here. Maybe that's why. This this one we're looking at has glass and it's divided up into squares and it's backlit by light. So it's, uh, you don't know what to call it. Is it a painting? Is it a sculpture? I mean, I've been here for five hours, and it's hard to leave. It's, there's so much happening. It's so stimulating. Paul Armstrong's a party animal. He's stimulated by the five different kinds of genres of art. That's right. <laughs> if there was four, I'd probably be down here, but the five, the big five. Stuff. That's, <laughs> that's the key. That's the key. <laughs> no, and I'm here to also to, to relax. Right now, we're standing here with Trevor... Stickle, one of the the main artists uh, having his paintings on display here at uh, Belmont Studios, the launch for Studio 15, and uh, really uh, enjoyed and uh, heard the compliments of, of of your art tonight. Uh, could you delve a little bit into the into your genre, the paintings that you mainly do or have on display here tonight? Um, well, most of them just. Um uh, they're, they're plain and simple, just kind of um, 
just rock and roll paintings. I just uh, try to lean away from anything that's kind of on the marketing side and just kind of, you know, do the people that have influenced me and uh, just kind of get all that uh, emotion and grit in the painting. And this, this whole experience, what has it been like for you, the, this uh, mixing of the different genres of live music and uh, the different the different uh, artists, such as a self-painter uh, and, then, and then the sculptors? Uh, well, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it was uh, the lineup tonight was unbelievable. I was catching live music all night. It's going to bring people in from for different reasons. Um, well, yeah, it brings people that might not normally come to an art show. They'll come and see a music show, or more people come to an art show and catch some music. So it kind of mixes a little bit, and uh, I think the genres cross on a lot of levels. So yeah, it works really well. coordinator and organizer for this event, the launch of Studio 15 at Baumount Studios, Ashley Gail Fessler. How are you doing? And thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Well, thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me on the air. It's great. I'm glad you've come up tonight. A lot of people have been talking uh, talking throughout the night. I, I felt it myself, the, this very, the, the good vibes, also the very unique vibes. Uh, you know, people going up the stairs, going through the gallery, coming down the other set of stairs and going and uh, going down to, to the main studio downstairs where there was live music and then people coming out from there and then doing the whole gauntlet. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a different group of people doing that. And then there was a little lounge upstairs where the, the art studio was. You probably anticipated uh, the exposure, cross-exposure for, for the different art forms, like for, for the painting, for the galleries, people who maybe came to see the music or more interested in that would, would be exposed to that. And then vice versa, people coming to see the art would, would see the, these bands and maybe raise their consciousness about, about the local indie music scene here. What? The, the goal was was if I bring in enough artists, and, and the point is, is that if we stick together and we and we are more inclusive, then we can't help but have more people see work normally wouldn't come out to do. Some people don't even see bands, not interested in bands. Some people just like DJs, and so and maybe people don't really go to art shows. They might think they're kind of stuffy. You know, wine and cheese, nobody's dancing. So I wanted to show a different look and a different outlook on on all those mediums. And uh, the the crowd is so diverse. I mean, we had every age group, every type of person, and we all mingled and fit together, and and we're all entertained. So it's excellent. And uh, the next party for uh, Belmont Studios, where all all studios are going to be open, is is there a date set for that party? And November thirteenth, which I believe is a Friday. So Friday, November thirteenth, and that would be the five year anniversary of the Belmont. Just want to say thank you um, for coming and, and, and thank you for showing up and the, and the people who, who are coming out to support art and uh, and let's keep keep doing this and stick together so that we can uh, you know keep making uh, our art that we do in, in various forms and and uh, stay happy and positive even even in these tough times where the government is uh, having to cut back funding uh, it's great that we're we're sticking together so you heard that listeners uh, the next event planned at Belmont Studios where all studios at Belmont will be open is Friday, November 13th. We're just talking to the events coordinator, organizer for the launch of Studio 15 tonight, September 25th, Friday. Ashley Gail Fester, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Nick.
smugglers six turntables two world-renowned DJs face melting guitarist drummer chaos what would the child of such musical interbreeding look like in fact the creature exists and it has been called the slew kid koala DJ dynamite and the ex-wolf mother rhythm section Chris Ross and Miles Heskett united under the slew project performed a historic show at Vancouver's Red Room last Wednesday the project originated as a soundtrack for the film that ended up being dropped, but the team decided that the planned material was too unique not to be showcased. The show was definitely original. In lieu of banter, Koala and Dynamite spun verbal clips, welcoming those from near and far in the voices within the vinyl. The turntables sandwiched Ross and Heskett, who with nearly no elbow room managed to turn what would otherwise be the makings of an epic DJ duel into a cataclysmic marriage of hard rock and melodic turntable. The performance was the first of only nine currently scheduled, and Vancouver hosted the inaugural gig. This was no random trick of fate. Kid Koala himself was born and raised here. After sweatily saluting the crowd as they left the stage, the slew is continuing on to Brooklyn, Montreal, and Toronto throughout the fall. So if you can't make those and you missed this, sorry, the slew has lumbered on. You'll have to wait for Koala's future crossbreeds. That was a review from a new arts report contributor named uh, Robin Smith, I believe. Oh gosh, Robin, I hope I'm not butchering your name. Um, she went out to the Slew's con um, concert last week at the Red Room and uh, was totally blown away by what she saw. So uh, thanks to Robin for that. Okay, last but not least on the Arts Report today, I am have the pleasure of living with a family these days, and uh, The Culch is putting on a new subscription series, which is specifically dedicated towards families. It's called The Culture's Family Series, and it features four full-length performances by some of the most sought-after performers in the region and from across Canada and abroad. So, last night was the, the inaugural performance of journal, a diary journal intime, which is, which is composed of a series of duets for ten dancers featuring the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, played by on-stage live pianist Lorette Rajorette. And Diary invites audiences of all ages to share in the intimacy and power of this most personal of emotions, love. So I sent Kay and her five-year-old daughter, Trinity, out to catch uh, the f opening production of Diary Journal Intime last night, and here is the review they brought back for me. I'm going to have to cut it a little short because we're running out of time here on the Arts Report, but this is thanks so much to Kay and Trinity for this, and please write to me, get in touch here at arts at citr.ca. I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you back here next week. So, I'm sitting in the living room with uh, Trinity and Kay, who have just gone to see Diary in Team at the, uh, the Colch. And what did you guys think? Good? <laughs> Why was it good, Trinity? 
Did you like the set? Yes. What was the set? There were candles. Candles? Pretty candles. All over the stage? Yeah. But then they put it away. In the side. They, they took all of the candles away? Yeah. Into the side. Put them on the back and the side. Yes. Yeah. So they were moving candles through, yeah. during the whole dance? Yeah. Wow. And then at, at the very end, they put it in a giant circle. Then they danced a bit in the circle. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's really... Were you scared that they might catch on fire? No. No. It wasn't... The, the candles weren't that big? They look like a little small to, um, from our seat. Just tiny little yeah. little candles. Okay. I so not dangerous. They were this big. Okay. Okay. So, so you had seven dancers on the stage mm-hmm. and lots of candles. Mm-hmm. And one more person was on the stage. What was he doing? Playing the piano. Oh, and he was playing the piano. He was having, adding live music to the dance. Mm-hmm. And was that good? Yes. Yes? Was it like rock music or was it pop music or what kind of music was it? Soft. Soft music. It was classical music. Mm-hmm. It was by yeah. Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh, <laughs> he's a big guy. He's well known in the in the classical music sphere. Did you like the music as well? Did it go well with the dan- with the way the dancers were moving? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They were also doing a lot of talking as they were dancing, weren't they? Yeah. They were speaking in two languages. Do you remember which English language? English and French. Whoa. They were talking while they were dancing? But did you like that? Yes. Yeah? Because there's lots of people who think that dance is supposed to be sh- silent. Just music and no, dancing. like they danced and then they like talked and then danced. What were they talking about? Love. Love? Yeah. What about love? (laughs) (laughs) They were just talking about what the heart does when we fall in love and all the different ways that love comes into our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you remember anything that they said? Like, what are some of the ways that love comes into our lives? Hmm. Wait. Wait a minute. Think. Okay. Okay. You can take a minute to think. What are some of the ways that love comes into our life? Did you see any photographs on the screen? There were lots of those. What were they doing? Kissing. Kissing? Kissing! And you closed your eyes at some point because you didn't want to see kissing. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Were you embarrassed by the kissing on the screen? So there was music and candles. And what? A A bit. A little, a little bit. bit. Okay. okay. And at you, the very, very end, they mm-hmm. blew out the candles. Every single one? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So they had candles and pictures and music, a live music and dancing yes. and speaking. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very <laughs> dynamic production. <laughs> Do you, would you like to dance like that? Do you think? I know you started ballet lessons yourself the other week. Would you like to do some dancing like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We. Oui? Yes. 
Hey. Uh, so, why is the dancing that you saw tonight different from the dancing that you're learning? Ever thought about volunteering with Big Sisters? Maybe now is the time. Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland provides girls aged 7 to 17 with a champion, a mentor who's there to simply be their friend and cheer them on. Become a study buddy tutor and spend one hour a week helping your little sister learn to love school. Or become a big sister and spend three fun hours a week just hanging out with your little sister. If you're age 19 or older, please visit bigsisters.bc.ca to find out more. Maybe now is the time. Alligator pie from Dennis Lee. Alligator pie, alligator pie, if I don't get some, I think I'm going to die. Give away the green grass, give away the sky, but don't give away my alligator pie. Alligator stew, alligator stew, if I don't get some, I don't know what I'll do. Give away my furry hat, give away my shoe, but don't give away my alligator stew. Alligator soup, alligator soup, if I don't get some, I think I'm going to droop. Give away my hockey stick, give away my hoop, but don't give away my alligator soup. Good evening. You're listening to Audio Text on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. My name is JC Peters, and this is your Canadian writing show. So um, every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, I will play recordings of um, spoken word poetry, um, page poetry that's being read by authors who are visiting, interviews, uh, 